This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. everyone, Top Rope Nation's on the air. This is our WWE Fastlane pay-per-view preview show presented by TopRopePress.com. I am your host, Ryan Drosty, editor-in-chief of Top Rope Press. And as you can see from the video streams below, I am joined by a crowd this week. So let me just introduce them one by one. First of all, founding father of TopRopePress.com. He's been with us since 2014 when the site began. My longtime buddy, Mr. Justin, joined us in the house. Justin, what's going on tonight? Hello. Uh, Top Rope Nation, apparently brought to you by Shattered Productions. We, we had a little bit of technical difficulties here. If you're watching us live on YouTube, so we're making a go at it here again a second time. Uh, and I am also joined by the SmackDown Live recapper. He writes the previews for Top Rope Press. Been with Top Rope Press for... I want to say close to a year now. Mr. Kyle Ross in the house. Kyle, what's going on? I just hope I sound okay. Do I? The Mike microphone honey. sounds much better than it did 10 minutes ago. Okay, good. It's, it's just a real hoot to be here. That's all I got to <laughs> say, man. I hope I sound okay because I am battling a cold yet again. Like three weeks on the show. Three, yeah, I think three weeks ago on the show, I had this going on, and now it's back. You know when your daughter goes to daycare, she brings home everything. Kyle... Someday when you have kids, Justin, Jack, be ready for that. It's madness. Hell on earth. And uh, speaking of Jack, I just mentioned him. He is the lead feature writer for TopRopePress.com. He's got a new one coming at you before Fastlane this week, uh, centered on the Kevin Owens-Bill Goldberg match. Mr. Jack Snodgrass. What's up, Jack? Hello, world. Happy to be here. And for the record, I'm not going to take my kids to, to daycare. I'm just going to build like a pen in the backyard. <laughs> leave them there. Is that what they do at the Wyatt compound? I think so, with a couple bags of glass, you know? <laughs> so if you guys listened to the show last week, we had a heated debate, Kyle, a heated debate on uh, the direction of Kevin Owens and Bill Goldberg. We're going to get into that later in the show. Some uh, fireworks may fly on Top oh. Rope Nation this week. We will see. But, uh, you know, I just wanted to say, if this is your first time listening to the show, this is a weekly podcast put on by TopRopePress.com. We record every Thursday night. A new episode drops audio only every Friday. iTunes, Stitcher, Top Rope Press, wherever you get your uh, podcasts. And uh, every week we also do a live webcast with all the technical difficulties and all. And uh, you can watch us record the show live. That's for Patreon supporters only. So if you go to patreon.com slash Nation, if you're tuning in, you like what we do, check us out on there. 
drop us a dollar a month and you'll get access to those live shows. Now, our pay-per-view preview shows, like we're doing tonight, those are free for the world, always will be, as well as our uh, post-pay-per-view shows. But those weekly Top Rope Nation shows, the audio, anyone can get, video webcast, that's exclusive to our patrons. So check that out, patreon.com slash Nation. So with that being said, guys, I think uh, before we get to Fastlane, we've got to address what happened this week on WWE television. And since we're going to be centering most of the show on a raw pay-per-view, let's start off with SmackDown Live. And uh, everyone's talking about that closing segment, Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt. Was it good? Was it over the top? I think the person to go to first to talk about this would be Kyle Ross since he reviews the show for Top Row Press. So, Kyle, what did you think of the way the last 20 minutes of SmackDown went this week? Well, in my review, I believe I called it the worst thing on SmackDown since the brand split. So that should pretty much give you where I come down on it right there. <laughs> and I think I'll, you know, I've had a few days to process that. What is it? An extra 48 hours now. I think I might stand by it. Um, it's not so much, you know, that they were going for something different that bothered me. And because cl- clearly that was the goal. They wanted to kind of just do a non-traditional, you know, outside the framework of what you usually get in wrestling to set up a main event match. I just feel that it was just a waste of two weeks of television. The way that Orton did the turn, he just kind of turned. It was like, why? Um, you know, later on when we talk about where AJ Styles fits into the whole picture now, I think there's, and I could be wrong, I think there's a grave misread by the SmackDown booking uh, team on that one, how that's going to work out. Um, and Luke Harper certainly was done no favors by this whole situation either, which is not good. So I think the, the promo itself was not great by Randy. That music, I could have really done without that. Um, I mean, call me old school, but I, why couldn't he just RKO him like, and that be the turn? I just don't understand why there had to be all this mumbo jumbo and mid nineties undertaker nonsense. Because as Vince McMahon once said, we make movies, Kyle. How do those turn out? (laughs) (laughs) We were talking about that off air too. WWE studios. When, uh, when no holds barred is the best movie you've ever done. I mean, that's bad. Well, I guess I'm not a horror guy, but like, I I know that people who kind of like that genre said, see no evil was tolerable. Hey man, I got to see I got to second base on See No Evil in the theater. So, oh wow, there we <laughs> yeah. go. I mean, I'm never going to be able to look at Kane the same way again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on that note, Justin, <laughs> what did you think of that closing segment on SmackDown? Uh, kind of going along with what Kyle said, the timing of it was really weird. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe would have made a little bit more sense right after the elimination chamber, but it just seemed random. There was no trigger. Uh, eh, Bray Wyatt apparently keys to the kingdom literally mean like the keys to his cabin in the woods. But what? Okay, the production looked cheap. Uh, kayfabe looking at it. Randy Orton, who is supposedly the baby face here, originally joined the Wyatts because he couldn't beat them. Uh, acted like a heel with them, so he's not really a good guy. And apparently he just wants to tear Bray Wyatt down completely, make him turn on his friends, um, dig up uh, a loved one and burn his house down. And I don't, I don't, I 
don't understand. I wouldn't cheer for him anyways, but I don't understand how that makes us think we should. It's just. Hey, there was a there was a couple. I heard Randy Randy chants. There's some really sick fans out there <laughs> in the WWE universe. But no, I, yeah. I agree. It's just like the the timing. It's like what happened in that week. You know, six or seven days ago, prior to him burning down Bray Wyatt's like lawnmower garage, he he was like he was on his knee professing his love. It's like what happened in those six days to make him go from east to west. So it's very confusing, the timing of it, like we've all have harped on, was just out of place. And to me, it breaks my heart because they had, SmackDown had been doing so well. It's just like, if they could get one more thing, like to basically get to WrestleMania and have a great title match would kind of like put SmackDown over, I feel like, and would get it a lot of credibility that it needed. And the fact that it looks like they're already kind of botching this, like they don't know what to do in this when the ball's handed to them, I don't know. It's a little depressing. It seems to me like they're really trying to make everybody question what the matches are going to be at WrestleMania. And that's a huge mistake. I don't care. I've gone off on this with you before, Ryan. These damn surprises that people think are so great in wrestling. And surprises can be great. Don't get me wrong. But the numbers show when you do a traditional build for something, it always works out better. I, I think I used the term in my write-up that they've they've outbought themselves here. And this whole storyline, kind of piggybacking off what Justin just said, it just seems like outthinking themselves. You know, a lot of people saw this Orton and Wyatt thing coming, and certainly anyone who reads online knew it was coming. And it just, you know, they tried swerving us, but the swerve wasn't very compelling, in my opinion, whatsoever. Yeah. My question is, so are they going for Randy Orton to be like the top baby face on SmackDown with this angle? Because it seems to me like that, that this this angle was to put him over as a baby face. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think he was. And like Jack said, people were cheering. Like, yeah. People weren't always gets cheers to a certain degree. But, you know, in the kayfabe sense, what Justin said, it wasn't he didn't come across as a baby face. Yeah, it's then, an odd way to do it. You you look at Bray's reaction while it's happening, and then I don't see how that doesn't garner sympathy for him. It just and especially Randy burned alive a cameraman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's just supposed to be you know the fact that Bray is like this despicable like almost like a serial killer you know movie heel, and that Randy is getting vengeance on him or something. But like. My God, they can't honestly think Randy Orton is the guy to be the top babyface on SmackDown. This guy, for lack of a better term, is so vanilla. Just so, I don't know. He's not the guy. Three weeks ago, people were chanting, you deserve it at Bray. So the audience doesn't perceive Bray the way the writing team wants you to, in my opinion. It felt like we were on this jump off of Bray's like coronation. It was like, okay, he's going to finally arrive and even... Jim Ross has said, like, you know, Bray Wyatt's going to be, he's going to be a guy that can, that can control a company. So I thought maybe I'm an idiot, but that this is what it was going to be. And the fact that, like, Randy's doing this one upmanship, and uh, I don't know, man. It's just, it's confusing and really it's unfortunate. Yeah. If Randy walks out of WrestleMania with a title, I think, uh, we might have Kyle Ross having a coronary live on Top Rope Nation's post-game show because uh, <laughs> it's not going to be good. I'm not sure about that one. Well, I, I, you know, I mean, 
I'm long past getting like really upset about pro wrestling matches, but I was going to ask what you guys think. I mean, Randy Orton should not win the title. It's, I mean, no. I just feel there's something else I thought of if, and, and again, I, I'm going way off script here. If Lesnar wins the raw title at WrestleMania, man, that's kind of a blow for SmackDown because you have the guy who got his ass kicked at SummerSlam by the raw champion. And an I just, point. yeah. And I, I just don't think that's the right call. And I, I just don't think there are issues with Orton just not being that compelling. There always have been, you know, he's had his moments late 08, early 09. He was compelling. He was, that was probably peak Randy Orton. I think evolution, Randy Orton before the disasters, baby face turn. He was good then too. But other than those two time periods, he never has struck me as long-term championship material. And, and I just think this is a mistake as the world title pairing in WrestleMania now, is my opinion. I think they should have just kept it on AJ. Yeah, we've been saying that on the show for weeks. And uh, I agree. So, I mean, it looks like... So they put AJ in as the number one contender this week, but I'm assuming something's going to happen with Shane still. He's going to get screwed out of the spot. We're going to have the AJ-Shane McMahon match, which I've got a lot of uh, problems with that one, too. Um, but another match this week that came about, they've been building, slightly building towards it. I wanted for, to jump uh, in with the AJ Shane thing. What's that? I just wanted to jump in with the AJ yeah. Shane thing and get everyone else's opinion. What, what's going to happen, I believe, is they're just like kind of you alluded to, Shane's going to just pull the title shot away from AJ. And that will be the impetus for the match. But I alluded to this earlier that that's kind of a misread by the audience. The crowd's not going to be happy with Shane pulling a world title shot from AJ Styles. Like that's like if they think that's going to be like, oh, he's going to not let the heel get the title shot. It's like, man, that's a mystery. People like to see AJ Styles in title matches. So I I don't know what the other guys think. I just don't think that scenario is going to work. Certainly the the psychology is a little is a little wonky, especially considering that a lot of people like AJ Styles and like his heel run was almost like people giving him the benefit of the doubt. It's like, hey, man, we know you're really trying to do this. We really want to cheer you, but we're gonna we're gonna boo you just because we love you. But so to pit him as a heel against Shane McMahon, I don't know. I think they got some work to do in terms of like the chemistry of what this feud is gonna be. Yeah, Justin, what are your thoughts? Uh, those guys hit it on the head. I mean, it's it's weird. All of it's kind of weird. I still hold out like this weird hope that. Uh, Shane's going to have someone wrestle for him against AJ instead of himself because, yeah, it's just it's such a, a poor use of talent to put AJ Styles, best performer in the world, and there was Shane McMahon on the biggest show of the year. But And them trying to equate Shane's, like, you know, daredevil tactics on an equal playing field to AJ will be fairly nauseating. Yeah. <laughs> if they do that. <laughs> AJ should be the number one baby face on this brand, by the way, if Cena is going to continue kind of his on-again, on, on off-again um, sort of schedule. To me, AJ Styles is the guy who should be the number one babyface, not Randy Orton. Yeah, no doubt about it. Do you think they would try to turn Shane McMahon? No, because people have this bizarre... I mean, I obviously, I review the show. Man, it is bizarre the love people have for Shane McMahon. Like It's like they really think he's in the booking meetings like trying to fight for the fans when that's like not true at all like i mean <laughs> the guy who just shows up and he just hasn't been on tv for a long time like 
and he do, he does crazy spots. But like, um, yeah, I, I, I've actually been amazed over the last year how he's been able to stay as over as a character. You know, his character's been able to get stay that over despite the massive reneging of that uh, stipulation. Oh yeah. Because he, I mean, he really hasn't done anything. Even his appearances on Talking Smack are awkward. But oh, they're, they're significantly worse than Daniel Bryan. <laughs> <laughs> that is strange. That people just have an affinity for him. I guess it's just like you know, he's the the heir to the billionaire thing, and he's throwing himself in the arena. You know, I guess that's novel. You know, the weird thing about that is, and I don't know if you've heard this before, Kyle, but I've heard that Shane, like when he was in the booking meetings has like some of the weirdest ideas and that like everyone thought he was kind of like way out of touch and not not the right guy to write television and that the general consensus was always that stephanie had a better mind for the business than shane that's what i've i've heard i mean the first go around that was part of the problem shane had like he which people just didn't have high regard for his ideas yeah Um, and you know there are issues with stephanie's ideas certainly um but that's probably a different show for a different day but yeah, I, I've heard that too. That you know, Shane is not as far as you know, creatively, his pitches are not always received favorably. Yeah. So um, what what I was going to get into was the other match. They've slowly been building it for a few weeks now, but now we know it's coming. Is the uh, Miz and Maurice taking on Cena and Nikki Bella? So that opened the show. I thought it was a really strong opening segment. I thought. We've gushed about The Miz now on this show for six months, and I thought The Miz was tremendous in that segment. And uh, I saw a lot of praise for Cena, who was also really good in the segment, too. But honestly, to me, I I thought The Miz was the star of that segment. I thought he did a really good job. I thought uh, just great heel work. I went to, by the way, I went to a house show last Sunday night, a SmackDown house show, and Miz got one of the biggest reactions from the crowd. His mic work was awesome he used some uh, rick rude quotes as he was screaming at the crowd and uh just uh as far as like smackdown's top heel goes miz is right there in that conversation for the long term i think but uh what did you guys think about that opening segment i'm going to start off with justin uh were you as impressed with the miz as i was or did you think cena was the star of the segment i think cena was the star but i think that's because Miz said exactly what he was supposed to to set up Cena's responses. I thought Miz was kind of vanilla. Like this past year, he's really been able to twist reality into his promos. With in this one, I just I didn't feel it quite as much. All right, Kyle. The Miz didn't say anything, and Cena actually kind of alluded to this in his promo that. AJ Styles hasn't said, or a million other Cena opponents haven't said. Like, we've heard that promo many times before from many guys. Now, I'll give them his credit. I think he delivered it much better than anyone else because of the heel persona he's crafted. It just came across, I think, you know, is even better than AJ. Now, I thought Cena was the star, too, and it's so funny. People want to not like John Cena, man, and they have all these criticisms of him. But, man, they don't hold water, do they? A lot. I mean... You can bitch about the guy, but you know, like the whole "you can't wrestle" thing is like preposterous. I mean, Unless we're a, talking about the STF, <laughs> and it's a sloppy STF. But you know, over the last, you know, and you know, look, he was pushed maybe a little too soon. That those first two years as champion, oh five, oh six, yeah, they were a little bit. There was a learning curve there. But man, over the last like ten years, nobody's been having better matches than Cena. And he, you know, 
right now it's interesting. I think he's all around the best he's ever been, which is crazy. No doubt. No doubt. Every one of his promos he cuts is just, it's been so pointed, mm-hmm. I feel like. And the thing with Miz was, Miz's promo was great, but Cena's was just better. That doesn't mean that Miz, I'm not trying to marginalize what Miz did, but Cena, like his punchlines and his, everything he punctuated with was fantastic. And it was just like, oh, I can't wait to watch more of this. And that's not really something that WWE has right now is that watching guys duel on the mic to where you actually want to hear it and they're saying something that matters and something that's original even though the Miz's arguments were a little redundant but man I'm excited to see more of this when was the last 20 minute opening segment on a WWE TV show that you wanted to go longer this was the first one in forever because normally you just want them to write you're like god that they could have done that in five minutes and they just stretched out this one I'm looking I'm like god these guys have gone over 20 minutes and I don't want them to stop right so I, I disagree with you guys, like I was saying, because I I don't think The Miz was saying stuff that everyone has said. I, a lot of it, yeah, people have said it, but like you kind of alluded to, he delivered it better, which is true, which is what made him the star of the segment to me. And as good as Miz has been for the last six months to a year, um, he wasn't really in there with top-level talent like John Cena. And when you put him in there with John Cena and he, and he holds his own and he seemed like a star – that just kind of confirmed to me that this guy could be in the main event scene long term. Um, I thought he delivered the line about, you know, Cena being a hypocrite based on what he said about The Rock. I haven't heard anyone give that give that line like The Miz did on Tuesday night. I know that uh, The Rock brought it up himself, but uh, I haven't heard an outsider use that line in the way that The Miz did. Um, and as good as John Cena's response was, he, I don't know, maybe it was just the way he was acting in the ring and flailing his arms around and, and his facial reactions. I thought he was just a little hokier than The Miz, personally. I felt like The Miz was more, I bought what he was saying a little bit more, but that's just me. I, For me, Cena won, just because, you know, Miz saying that he pulls the strings and stuff like that, and how Cena goes, you know, if he pulled the strings, he'd be standing toe-to-toe with The Undertaker. It's like, that was a good line. Cena that was really that was a good line. Okay, yeah, let's talk about that line. Because, and the effect it had on the audience. Because the audience, when he said that, the audience react in a way they're like, "Oh shit, we want to see John Cena versus the Undertaker." <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it was almost kind of like Cena. Like, I, I don't think he did this, but it was almost like Cena went into business for himself and was like, "Hey Vince, you know, just you know, just saying about your plans, you know, <laughs> how to wrestle the Undertaker." This would been your reaction. Well, I mean, it was a good segment overall, though. Either yeah. way, and I could watch it back and be entertained again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll see what, what comes from the match. Nikki Bella was pretty good when she came out, too. Um, Maurice was decent in her role. Um, so I think the interest will be there for the match at WrestleMania. Now, whether it's the best Miz use of John great. Cena, I don't know. But You know where the Miz was great? The absolute, his best. And this was so subtle. When Maurice was ripping on, like, the size of, like, Cena's package or whatever, like, Miz was standing behind her, like, making these hilarious faces, like, haha, my wife's, like, talking shit to you, and you can't yeah. do anything about it. Like, that, <laughs> if you go back and watch it, like, the Miz's had these incredible facial reactions, like, Ooh, like, that, it was, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see where that goes. I guess the only other thing I thought maybe we should mention, what well, we already kind of did mention, was the, uh, the AJ Harper match. The match itself was very good. Um, but like we said earlier, I think Luke Harper is going to be kind of the odd man out here. And that kind of sucks because 
he's one of the more talented big men that they have. And he was kind of just starting to show his chops in the ring a little bit and break out on his own. But uh, you guys seem to be all on board the idea that he's heading back with Bray, probably the way things are going. Rumor has it, right? Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of a bummer because he had he kind of had something organic bubbling. So it's uh, for the romantics out there that like to see guys go out there and get over the hard way. It's, you know, well, it's dead now. Yeah. So that's SmackDown. Um, we better transition to Raw because anyone watching this, they're watching for the uh, Fastlane preview. So let's get to the what we're looking for uh, this Sunday. So Monday Night Raw this week was mostly marked by a terrible Green Bay, Wisconsin crowd. You I got to say that first off. Um, when the show started off, Goldberg's theme music came on almost instantly. And you can go back, watch this on your DVR. They're panning the crowd as his theme plays. And for several seconds, they have no reaction at all. Like they don't know his music. And then it must be when his name came up on the Titan Tron, then they all react. Like they did not know the theme song. <laughs> so Kyle, is he as over as you think he is? Oh, <laughs> that was the, that was what a mistake it was. I think bring doing that segment first. Yeah, I mean, because the the whole middle part of that show, I thought just drag. Like, I don't understand that when why you know Goldberg is a special attraction who is not on the program regularly, right? Why do you bring him out right off the rip? Yeah, you got to keep those but people like, tuned you, in for three hours. Yeah, yeah, you got to like saying like, look, I know that. They want to like get Ro- you know, Roman have his certain role, but you know, to me, man, and they do that with Lesnar too. Sometimes it's just like, you know, does do they let do they let him leave or something like that? Does the guy does he does he just do they does Goldberg and Lesnar just not want to like stick around or something? Like it just doesn't make sense why you would have a special attraction and just bring him out right away and be like, okay, and then he's done. Like it'd be one thing if he comes out again and does something, but it's like, all right, here's a three-hour show. And the big thing that they were hyping is already over in the first 15 minutes. That's just yeah. mm, curious. And how good was Kevin Owens again? I got to just gush over Kevin Owens one more time. He was unbelievable in the segment. Goldberg, not so good on the mic. Never has been, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> he's a charismatic guy, but on the mic, not so much. And Kevin Owens saved that segment and his line about tonight, we're going to get a Green Bay street fight, and he walks down to the ring, and they all erupt, and he, wait a second, you guys don't deserve it. That was great. Great. <laughs> well, great. And the little details he's been the little details he's been sprinkling into his promos, like, last week it was, he's playing the game. This week, it's the evolution of mm-hmm. that's little tidbits that you may not catch, but Let's talk about that. Do we think there's going to be a new evolution with Triple H in the flare role. Because they, they can't have yeah. Triple H be like the center of the group like he was in 04. I mean, dear God. I mean, we, we're, we're still getting over that, I feel. But <laughs> we've got, you know, what's Owens, Joe. Who would you like to see be the centerpiece of that group? Because I have a specific, I've actually thought of this, and I have a specific name who I think um, should round out the group and be the highlight guy post-mania. You know, uh, my first reaction would be would be to talk about Finn Balor because he's such a good heel. I mean, if you look at his New Japan work, but man, I think they need him on the babyface side right now. There's too much money in him as a babyface. Yeah. I don't know, Jack. You got any idea there? I'm I'm, I'm sitting here like racking down the roster right now. <laughs> Finn Balor was the first one that came to mind, but um, I'm a little bearish 
on him compared to most people. I hope that everyone just didn't like cancel out of the podcast right now. But um, I mean, that would make sense. <sighs> You're warm. You guys are warm with my idea. Yeah. You're very warm. Well, as as long as it's it's an indie darling, because my idea is for oh, Triple H to start his own four horsemen of like indie superstars. They could be like the four Sparksmen. <laughs> Bobby Roode is who it should be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Call Bobby Roode up, and he's got. If, if you look, when I first like the first three weeks, I saw the character in NXT. I'm like, this guy is talking to Triple H night and day. I mean, look how he just carries himself and presented himself with a suit. I'm like. I'm like, dude, he's doing a Triple H, like, 04 tribute, almost. <laughs> yeah. With that character. And I think it's amazing. And again, this is a different, this is a whole different show we got Fastlane to talk about. But it is, you, you can't tell me that Bobby Roode's presentation is not better than 90 to 95% of the people on the main roster. With that entrance song. And I mean, the way he can't, I mean, do you know, again, he, Again, he was kind of a ripoff of Ric Flair at the Chi-Town Rumble. But, I mean, that's going to get over in any generation. So, I mean, so Bobby is mean, the guy to round up that group. He's really dedicated to the Celtics. I've seen him in a – I saw him went to a live NXT show, and he just watches NXT work. It's just like there's a lot of details that he is dedicating himself to that people notice. And, like, once those add up, it's just like this is a guy that is compelling to watch. I just hope that – this like Triple H fantasy four horsemen group isn't going to be built just for Roman Reigns to demolish. Oh God, that is the ever present <laughs> danger here. <laughs> right? Man, I, I got some concerns about that Reigns Strowman match too. Oh no, come on. <laughs> I have some concerns because you look what they've done with Braun Strowman over the last several months. If Reigns just demolishes him at Fastlane, what a waste. What a waste. I'm guessing Kyle would love that. <laughs> oh, now you're putting words in my mouth. <laughs> here we go. The fireworks are shooting off. I'm playing by the rules here, man. We, we, have, <laughs> we, go by the, we go by things match by match. People will have to wait to hear what I have to say about that. <laughs> uh, so anything before we get to the Fastlane card from Raw, other than the opening segment you guys wanted to talk about? I, mean, I would like three-hour show. Certainly there's a lot. I would like to crap on the Green Bay crowd one more time <laughs> Fair during, the, during the Rollins interview, which wasn't great, but it was pretty good. Um, I, you know, he was questioning if he deserved the situation he's in, showing doubt and humility and almost kind of showing an actual babyface side. And, and in the middle of this, we get CM Punk chants. That was bad. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Shame on those people. May they be frozen for two months. <laughs> at least at least when it happens in Chicago, even though it shouldn't be happening there, it's like, all right, it's his hometown. Green Bay chanting? For, what the hell? Chicago is like their arch rival, and they're chanting for a Chicago guy. Start an Aaron Rodgers chant. Jesus. <laughs> it just goes back to these chants have become so meaningless. Yeah. Like, you know, like, there's nothing, you know, this is awesome, or the dual chants where it's like the same people cheering for both guys. Just no emotion. Maybe we're not giving Green Bay enough credit. Maybe that they're such smarks up there that they were chanting for him because they want Punk to replace Rollins <laughs> to take on Triple H. They want to see it. Well, my, my counter argument for 
them possibly being smart would be in how they sat on their hands for a Cesaro Samoa Joe match. Yeah, they should never get raw again in Green Bay. Ever. And Milwaukee's such a great wrestling town, which makes it odd. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I, I mean traditionally, I mean in the in the long view of Milwaukee's, I mean, you know, I'm gonna sound like I'm again like I'm ninety eight years old, but like going back to like <laughs> AWA and stuff like that. I mean Milwaukee's always been great. If you want to see a hot crowd, watch over the edge ninety eight. Um, well, Milwaukee great. is so close to Chicago, though. They're getting a lot of that Chicago crowd driving yeah. up, too. That's notoriously really good. Up 94, right? Old I-94? Yeah, yeah it's, it's okay. like a 90-minute drive. Yeah. Wow. So that could be part of it. I don't know. You get into northern Wisconsin, it gets a little sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, where do you guys think that's going with, uh, with Rollins and uh, the match at WrestleMania? Because... You know, are they going to work Balor into this? Is that where his comeback's going to come? Well, we've been talking about that on the show in recent weeks. Justin, is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I think it's going to come down, really come down to if Rollins can actually wrestle. And I think they're going to keep Balor in the back pocket in case he can't go. Yeah, Jack, you got any ideas there? That's a little confusing. It's like maybe they're waiting to see which one's cleared first. But uh, it really seems like Rollins is going to be participating in some way or some form at WrestleMania. I mean, they're pretty heavy-handed with that uh, insinuation. It's just, it's going to be so awkward, though, because, you know, they can move this to a tag team match, like we've talked about. And so then, so Balor has to be the face with the face Seth Rollins, who injured him. Yep. It's just going to be a strange story. The Balor-Rollins dynamic is something that they they can't just gloss over. They can't just... Mention the fact. I mean, they can, but it would be bad. I, this, see, I but I don't think his the injury wasn't like malicious. He didn't attack him backstage. It was just in the midst of a battle. Yeah, but in the kayfabe sense, like he should like the the Balor character should be mad at Seth Rollins for injuring him. In mm-hmm. my like, in my opinion, I I feel like their priority because they already screwed this up once. And it looks like they may be moving towards that. Their first priority with Seth Rollins, Ben Balor, Triple H, is bring Seth Rollins back as the babyface that he, the run that he missed six months ago, or whatever the hell it was. It's just like let him actually do this because the fans are behind him. He cut that weird like emotional promo, so maybe they're heading that direction. But like, give this guy a chance to do it because it's there. I mean, and he doesn't have to be Hulk Hogan, but he can be kind of an in betweener. But I don't know. This is what we want to see. I just think that they really, and Ryan, I know you're going to agree with this, they just really screwed up when they turned Seth Rollins and how they did. Because it wasn't done in a manner that, again, kind of like with Orton, it's like, well, why am I cheering this guy? Just because the other guy screwed him and he's like, he's not happy that, you know, he was benefiting from that guy. It just didn't, it, it came off very odd and, you know, and then he wasn't winning a lot once he turned. Um, he didn't get the title back. Um, and, you know, I, I feel bad for Seth personally because he actually was getting the angle over right as he got hurt. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole NXT angle they did, I thought was the highlight of the feud so far when he when he showed up at TakeOver. I thought that oh, yeah. was very well done. I think I think when Rollins first came back from his injury. Yes. I think that was the biggest pop in WWE of the last year to this day. And that's when he should have had his top face run. They didn't yeah. do it. They mistakenly turned him heel. And like Kyle said, the the, the first attempt at the baby face run, not done in the best way. They should have just ran with it when the crowd was hot when he first came back. They could have 
brought him back as a face and had Triple H screw him out of the title and had the same damn storyline, but Rollins over more organically as a babyface. Yeah. It's all about timing, man. Yep. So let's go to the fast lane card, and then we can kind of work in some Raw comments with some of these matches uh, rather than running down all of Raw. So let's just start off with the tag team title match at fast lane this Sunday. So Gallows and Anderson, who, what, two weeks ago got destroyed by Roman Reigns single-handedly. Uh, they're defending their tag team titles against Enzo, Please Go Away, Amore, and Big Cass. Uh, all right, what's happening here? I mean, there's no way Enzo and Cass win the titles, right? Please tell me there's no way. There's a way. <laughs> I hope not, but... Oh, man. Were you, um, I, you I think that happening, Justin? Well, yeah, I mean, with the way they've been crapping on Gallows and Anderson getting beat in handicap matches against Roman Reigns and then really kind of getting emasculated this week, too. Um, I, I more see it as I think, I hope uh, Gallows and Anderson retain and make... Uh, Enzo and Cass chase all the way to WrestleMania, where they will then get their first titles in WWE. Yeah, typically the way WWE books is that if you get you know your ass handed to you for weeks, then you win at the pay per view. So, Kyle, is that what you were thinking, or it's just so odd the way both of these teams have been booked? They give Anderson and Gallows the titles when they're colder than they had been months prior. And it looks like they may do the same damn thing now with Enzo and Cass. I mean, Enzo and Cass, look, it's not my favorite thing, but it was an overact. I mean, it was one of, I'll be honest with you, as far as the call-ups from NXT, the non-guys you know, guys that they actually developed, not guys they brought in from independent promotions, Enzo and Cass is probably their biggest success, unless if I'm missing something, please scream and correct me if I'm wrong, as far as a act they developed. And they were really over for a lot of last year. And it seems right now they've never been colder than they are right now when they're about to get the titles. And that's not what you want. It almost feels like, you know, kind of like we talked about on SmackDown with American Alpha. Hmm, They should have gone to them quicker. It's almost as as if both these teams were bookmarked when they first got here. Like Vince McMahon was told, like, Hey, people like these guys. Like, all right, well, I'll handle it eventually. And he was so consumed with handling Roman Reigns and, and everything like that. And then months too late, he's like, all right, I'll give uh, Anderson and Gallows their title. And then he's like, now he understood or they understood that people like Enzo and Cass, but they're late. And it's going to be weird. And it, it wouldn't surprise me if they switched the titles just because Anderson and Gallows have been so arbitrary as of late. And it's just like, well, maybe we'll hotshot this and, and – you know, drum up some enthusiasm for Enzo and Cass, but I don't think it matters who wins, which is no, sad to say. Because they're yeah. going to work against each other again at Mania anyway, so it really doesn't matter who's going to win here, to be honest yeah. with you. The um, reason, yeah, the reason I said please don't let them win, last week we had a discussion on the show about, uh, you know, if the New Day are cringeworthy or not these oh, days. And, 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 and to what Jack just said, the reason that these guys didn't get the title sooner is because they had they were so obsessed with that stupid new day breaking the record <laughs> <laughs> well that's not where i was going where i was going is i think enzo and Cass are far more cringeworthy than the new day as of right now mostly due to no. enzo i think enzo is just horrible right now he's never been good in the ring but i think his promos lately have just been like ugh, not good and that's all he has going for him well, so 
I don't Definitely. know. I actually prefer end zone cast a new day right now, just because it's a little fresher. Well, mm. I agree. I agree with that. With the way you're crapping on New Day now, I can only imagine how you're going to be talking about Enzo and Cass in four months. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. I mean, it, it, it absolutely has a shelf life. But to me, people were getting into the intro, and you got to strike what, again, timing. You got to strike while the iron's hot with these things. I, I know that they, you know, again, I always stress long term planning, but sometimes you got to take a step back and say, hey, this is getting over a little bit more than we thought it might. Let's let's go with the hot hand. I, I just think that that New Day idea, and, and I didn't actually mean, I, I actually was being more critical of the concept of them breaking the record than the act itself. Because to me, New Day got cold. Like, it just became obvious that they were going to break the record. Then they did, and they lose the titles, and now they're not doing anything. I just think that the... I get that they wanted to break the record, but I don't think it means anything. It definitely doesn't mean anything. right now about that. It's totally inconsequential because a lot of fans don't even know who Demolition, like they have no idea, they have no context, and it, like they didn't have this like big victory to get them over that hump. It was like, oh, it's just like, yeah, like three, day, three days ago they broke it, but you know, yeah. whatever. And then they lost it like literally a week later, which you could see coming. So it's like, if you're, it's almost an acknowledgement of, all right, well, this is getting stale, but we want to have them beat this record just for the sake of doing it. Like, that should be, again, more organic. Like, it's, almost, it's almost like a, like a, this is a little testy here, but it's just like, oh, you can't call us racist because we put the, we made the black guys belong to tag team champions. So we, we're not even in that discussion, you know? I don't know how much substance there was to it. They just kind of like did it, and there wasn't really a storyline that was devoted to it. I think you guys made a, a solid point about not striking when the iron's hot here on these tag teams. Justin. I was just going to say, I, I mean, New Day is over. From everything I hear, they sell a ton of merchandise. Uh, they were super hot last year at this time. Um, yeah, and I, part of the problem with as far as striking while the iron is hot, well, Enzo and Gallows and Anderson were super hot at the same time that New Day was super hot. I mean, they could have probably done it later on. I, I'm not going to argue that, but uh, oh, I'm, I'm probably just a New Day mark. Gotta... I th- yeah, I think the New Day could have benefited um, from chasing the titles during that run, though. I think one of the reasons that they got stale is because they just held the titles in one and one and one. And yeah, the record means nothing. These WWE records don't mean anything. There was no purpose to that. The overall goal should have been the long-term health of the team. And uh, I think they would have stayed hot if they could have chased for a little bit. And, you know, being so directionless now, I think kind of makes me dislike them more because it's just like, oh, here we go. You know, like, of course, they use the New Day to do this stupid Oscar joke. Yeah. Like, of course, you know, like, and by the way, Vince, I mean, how many freaking Oscar jokes did we get on WWE TV over the course of those two shows? And it's like, Jesus, Vince, like you've never made a stupid ass mistake before in television. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like we were saying with striking while the iron's hot, that has been the downfall of the tag division on both rosters. And I just wanted to throw this out there because uh, with American Alpha, this house show I went to last weekend, uh, I have never heard a worse reaction for a WWE title holder than American Alpha at this live event. It was, I'm not exaggerating, it was crickets. You you know how American Alpha's uh, theme is like, 
there's not a lot of music it's like yeah. this weird like high they have a horrible theme first of all they need a better theme like more high energy you could hear the theme through the arena just like clear as day <laughs> there was no reaction at all to it for they get guys. high energies theme yeah <laughs> literally more high energy no yeah. it, it was terrible in their, def- in their defense iowa crowds are generally not that great well, the the tv i've been to in des moines has been pretty good recently but this house show the fans were pretty good like miz got a huge reaction cena of course got a huge reaction um there's a lot of aj chance even though he wasn't even there um but yeah, American Alpha. I like the guys a lot, but man, yeah. they gotta shake it up because it's not just in Iowa; it's all over the place. They're not—they're not getting reactions at all. Right. Well, they could use a meaningful feud. I know we need to be talking about Fastlane, but maybe this Usos thing may ha- may hold some water. But that's what they need is because they obviously aren't exactly like you know spilling with character and layers and layers of like entertainment ability. So they could use a good feud. They need to do more squash matches and just show off cool moves. They just need yeah. to like dominate people. Like I, you know, look how Braun got. I mean, we're gonna talk about Braun a lot, man. I mean, I'll be honest with you. There need to be more squash matches on WWE TV. They were they were doing it for a little bit, but then yeah, they, kinda... they they work. They work. There's a reason they worked for 15, 20, 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of squash matches, one of the people they've gotten over doing that's Nia Jax. And uh, she's taking on Sasha Banks here at Fastlane. Obviously, this is building towards this four-way at WrestleMania, so I'm Mm -hmm. not sure the result really matters all that much. But, uh, Kyle, thoughts on this match? I wouldn't beat Nia here if you don't have to. There's no real reason to. I would agree. I think think she has to go over to establish even more credibility. Not that she doesn't have it already, but... uh, I think she needs to win more than Sasha. And Sasha has the built-in excuse that she's been hurt recently and everything. So, yeah. Jack? I honestly don't think this match should be on the card. I, I just, like, they... It's almost as if they're like, well, they need to fight, but they don't because someone has to lose. And that's not what they need right now because they need to keep both those personalities strong, particularly Nia. So there's not a right decision they could make. So, but now they're having this match. But I don't know. I wish I, I wish someone could just like just pull it. And I, I mean, I because I need to build the women's division. But having people trade wins and losses isn't going to do anything. The old fifty-fifty booking, yeah, rears yeah. its head again. Uh, where are you at on this one, Justin? Uh, well, kind of going off what you guys said. Who should win is Nia Jax, but who I think is going to win is Sasha Banks because she has to get her win back. Yeah, I, I could see that too. The only but... thing is she is going heel, so they can uh-huh. beat her. At least I think that that seems to be the direction that Sasha will turn on Bailey. Something that we've been calling for for since August, Ryan. Yes. We've said, oh my God. If you listen to our shows throughout the fall, like almost every week we were talking about that. Sasha has to be a heel. It's a heel gimmick. It makes no sense for her to be a babyface. Although she has done a good job of getting over, I think. She, she's a lot better on promo work now than she was back then. Yeah. So, all right. Samoa Joe, Sami Zayn. It's going down. Let's, uh, let's start off with Justin. Let's give you first dibs on this one. Well, this is the beginning of what makes this the most predictable card of possibly all time. There is no way Samoa Joe doesn't win this. New to the main roster, uh, this is going to be his first pay-per-view match and uh frankly Sami Zayn is kind of 
in the roster to lose. He's that Daniel Bryan uh, underdog role. So there's he, he doesn't need to win. He'll get over just by putting on a what will hope. Please just give these guys like 15 minutes and and we'll all be winners. Yeah, very good chance this is match of the night. I would say it'd be a, a solid bet. Um, but yeah, I agree. There's no way Joe can lose here. Big time mistake. I think their plans for Joe are a lot bigger than Sami Zayn at this point. So uh, they had him beat Roman Reigns on Raw in his first match, which, by the way, they didn't talk about. Like all these, well, not WWE, but like, you know, I'm not going to lie, vanity search, recap, other recaps. But, uh, you know, it, it seemed that like everyone else was like, yep, Samoa Joe, his first match last. They referred to Samoa Joe on Monday. I was like, guys, do you remember he beat Roman Reigns? Yeah. So he ain't losing to Sami Zayn. No, no chance at all. <laughs> Well, this this Samoa Joe push has been tremendous. One of the things they're doing right. Um, you look at all the failed NXT call ups that they've had, and uh, this is this is a prototype for how to do it right. I, I have a, I have a mildly hot take. Uh oh, Samoa Joe. I, I do. I like him. Am I am I in the minority because I hate his shorts and I think they hurt him? I think they're uh, they're like. Uh, they're distractingly bad. I, I was hoping once he got to the main roster that they would switch it up and at least just give him all black or something. And I know it's like something that he's been doing for like 30 years or whatever the hell, but I don't know, man. I just, because he's, he's, he's obviously a bigger dude and doesn't have the greatest body. And I just feel like those shorts don't help me or maybe other people, I hope, take him seriously. Am I wrong? I think it's just been part of his gimmick for so long that I, I don't even think about it. But Yeah, I guess I don't. I, I've just always seen him wrestle. I guess I don't know. OK, because he's relatively new to me. You guys are much more well versed on the history of wrestling, particularly like the nuances. But I just see him I'm like, you know, this guy's great. He's got he's intimidating. He's got great music. He makes really ugly faces. But these pants, man, I don't know. I, I feel like I am not alone in this concern. I feel like I'm I, sitting in on a like a Vince McMahon creative meeting right now. I, I, dude, I was about to say, I think Vince might be in Jack's ear. Look at that guy's shorts. What is he wearing? You got to mention the shorts. Look at this guy. Get him in the gym. <laughs> oh, man. I, I almost guarantee you this conversation has probably happened backstage. It's happened. And I, if he ever gets a belt, which he might not, he will have different shorts on. You watch. <laughs> Um, I actually, I actually yeah, went and found it because I thought about it. I'm like, when was the last first time I saw so much? Oh, here's the DVD. ROH Glory by Honor 02. Wow. That's one of the, is Worked. that the first show? Uh, it was in their first six months. Yeah. I actually dug it out here. My wife has hung her head in shame the few times she's walked her off as I pulled out all my ROH DVDs. When I single-handedly kept them in business before they had to reach out to Sinclair, <laughs> they had to do that because I stopped buying their DVDs. I have like all of them from 02 to like 06. You should casually just like stack those on your dining room table the next time she has like a ladies' night at your house and they're drinking wine and watching Real Housewives and all yeah. that. And That's I'm good like, culture, man. Yeah, I'm like, who wants to watch Glory by Honor 02? And he, <laughs> he wrestled low key. It was, like I was blown away by that match. It was really stiff and it was funny. Just I, I just thought of that because when you were talking about the chunks, I'm like, I can't even remember the last time I've even thought about Samoa Joe's trunks. Yeah. There you go. I have. Maybe ruin Samoa Joe for you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think that's possible, man. Samoa that's Joe. True. Have you, if you've never seen uh, the match at Unbreakable 05 with uh, Joe Styles and Daniels from TNA, watch the match, Jack. I will. So it's, it's a, one of my favorite matches of all time. It's a TNA match. Yeah, it's one of my oh, favorite matches of all TNA time. Ever 
Yeah. And right. right around that same time, he worked Kobashi in Ring of Honor, if you remember, which may be one of the best matches I've seen in any promotion for that decade. That was, I believe, the debut of the This Is Awesome chant, was it not? Wow. Yeah, I think Could it was be. the first time that they, people ever chanted that. Yeah. Could be wrong. Wait, Somebody correct that? me. <laughs> that was in ROH. Uh, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, ROH. Yeah, it was, it was October. It was, it was right around this time of that three-way. It was, I mean, um, I believe that period, if you remember, that led to that uh, is when WWE wanted Joe to be Umaga, and he turned him down. Yeah. Whoa, that was a th- that happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Samoa Joe was supposed to be Umaga, and he didn't want to do the gimmick. Good for him. Justin is diligently writing down this match. Check it I out. Am. I know he is. I could just tell. I, I have a giant <laughs> list of matches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to need actual, that in my inbox. I'll, I'll need a reminder. The actual show of that ROH show is literally called Joe versus Kobashi. It was Kobashi's U.S. debut. Cool. This is what makes this Samoa Joe push so awesome is because this, if you've been watching him for a long time, like this kind of run from Samoa Joe on WWE's main roster is so long in the making that it's really fun to watch happen. Yeah, I mean, like, like we're, we're talking about 05 here. I mean, I, I legitimately thought this guy was one of the best. And to be honest, he was actually a better, much better worker in 05. You know, I thought this guy could have come into WWE, you know, and obviously they did too because the Umaga character got a big push. Um, and I thought he could have been a major player. Yeah. 10 years ago in this company that they had a t tna had a t-shirt joe's gonna kill you that has to be like their top selling t-shirt of all time because i i knew people that actually bought that shirt and i had never heard of people buying tna merchandise ever <laughs> god god did they tna screw up when they didn't build a promotion around him as a heavyweight remember like when he when when that thing with him and angle started and then like it just it was great and then they just didn't follow up with it they waited way too long to put the uh, the belt on Joe. They didn't yeah. again striking when the iron's hot. They did not do that. Well, because we, Lord knows we'd have Jeff Jarrett, you know, <laughs> yeah, most overrated wrestler in the history of mankind, still remain world champion. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the uh, the tag team Douglas? match. I can't remember. Oh, it could be Jeff Shane Jarrett or Shane Douglas is the most overrated wrestler of all time <laughs> uh we got two cruiserweight matches on this show so there's the tag match with swan and tozawa against kendrick and dar uh i don't really have a whole lot to talk about in this match personally i think uh tozawa's team should win just because he has been one of the freshest things in the in the cruiserweight division of late um where you at on this one justin yeah i'll go with uh tozawa and swan just because of uh uh, his killer kill bill entrance music that's yes. enough for me yes <laughs> yeah kyle yeah i think the babyface team should go over to has got some momentum i think this is pre-show right this match i think they've relegated i think so yeah pre-show, yeah but you know hopefully they give them a little bit of time then uh in the pre-show because it's not rushed um of course there'll be a commercial break uh, on a wwe network uh broadcast which is odd yes. but uh anyway yeah i, I think uh yeah it Tazawa and Swanch. Brian Kendrick is just, uh, he should just be there to put guys over at this point. And that's what Darj done since day one. So, mm-hmm. Same thing for you, Jack. Prediction? Yeah, I, I really like Tazawa. Who knew it would be so easy to, to garner the crowd's attention? All you gotta do is just scream a little bit and then <laughs> there you go. They're eating right out of your hands. So yeah, I don't see any reason for him and whoever the hell his tag team partner is to lose this match. Uh, let's uh, jump right to the other cruiserweight match then. So Neville and Gallagher 
Justin and I have talked a lot about Jack Gallagher on this show. Big time fans. That said, I don't think he's walking out of here with the title. Uh, I don't think he should. I'm a big fan of the gimmick and everything. I think this could be a great, great match. But uh, yeah, I think Neville's got to keep the title here. Uh, Justin, since you're the other Gallagher mark on here. Yeah, every, everything you just said. I I hope they just get enough time to put on a good match, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to take the title off of Neville right now with the kind of momentum he has. And I I think there's a bigger match out there at WrestleMania than than Gallagher. And, and plus, I don't want Gallagher to get the title for like two weeks only to lose it back to Neville. Yeah. Go ahead, Kyle. Uh, I don't think you can really... First of all, they've changed the title too many times already, so they just shouldn't. So I'm pulling for uh, uh, Neville for that reason, if nothing else. And, and I don't think right now you can build this division around the Gallagher character. While it's a good character, yeah, we're all in agreement, I don't think it's the right time to build the division around that character. It should be built around a strong champion who can have great kick-ass matches that you don't get elsewhere on the program. I agree. This might be an ass-whipping. Like, this might be a squash match. I hope it's not, because I think they, they could put on a really nice match, but it's just like... You know, it's more important about protecting Neville than it is building the division right now, because... Uh, Neville's the, really the only thing they have going, so I, I don't know. I think Gallagher may he may uh, I don't know. He might be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Here. Yeah, I can see this being the proverbial popcorn match. I can see that, which is unfortunate, but I can see them sliding this between the two main event matches. Yeah, which would be unfortunate for the for the workers. Yeah. All right, let's go to the uh, the Raw Women's Title match. So Bailey and Charlotte, and I think the. Uh, Conventional wisdom here has been that Charlotte will regain the title. And, uh, man, I think some of their title uh, decisions lately have been pretty questionable. Like, I'm, I'm not sure still what the point was on putting the title on John Cena for two weeks, if that was what was going to happen. And I'm not sure what the point was on putting the belt on Bailey for a few weeks if she's going to lose it. I guess for her to get the big win back at WrestleMania, but... Uh, was it even necessary to switch the title then? Let's go to Kyle on this one. Well, I can answer the Cena question. He was a transition from AJ to Bray because they wanted to do that storyline. Um, but as, as far as Bailey goes, um, yeah, Char- she's going to lose here. Um, I think the reason that they had Bailey win is just because they have all this TV now. You're going to see more title changes. They just kind of do it to freshen the thing up. You know, you've got to do something, uh, especially when one of the broadcasts is three hours every week. I just think that's what they do with this. I think they're like, eh, we've kind of been in a rut. Let's just change the women's title this week. Um, we've got Charlotte, they're going to protect that record, uh, the pay-per-view record. So she's not going to lose it here. What, what do you mean he was, I don't, I'm not following you on the transition to, to Bray. Since they were all in that Elimination Chamber match, you know, AJ could have lost the title without losing it directly to Bray. I'm, I'm, I still don't understand why Cena had that two-run title, two-week run with the title. I guess they're all right. That would be some counter. <laughs> I, I don't know. That one just blows my mind. I I don't understand it at all. I just yeah. I mean, I guess they well. Yeah, I don't know. He, he needed that sixteenth. Yeah, you know, you, that's yeah, the only or, argument, really. No, actually, you know what? There is a good argument that you wanted the sixteenth run to be shorter because the you know, although we all can poo-poo the record and stuff, you know, it, it's the next one that's the big one. Maybe that's why. Okay, but as far as the women's title, you're you're saying uh, Charlotte's going to win just to, just to freshen it up a little bit and keep things hot, I guess. Well, that's why they did it with Bailey. I just think you know Charlotte's going to get back here. 
Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Jack. I agree, and it's almost like they've been positioning themselves to keep that pay-per-view streak intact, to where they're hot shotting the belt to Sasha and Bailey on Raw, just so Charlotte can win it back at the pay-per-view. But the world's a better place when Charlotte's the women's champion. I hate to say it, man, but she's the only one who's proven. Everyone else just really struggled getting their footing, at least in terms of their character and all that stuff. And just going into WrestleMania, too easy. It's it makes things, the world easier for WWE because they know that they have that rock that is Charlotte and everyone else is just going to have to fall in place. And if someone else can get hot in the interim, then maybe they take it off of it at WrestleMania from Charlotte. But I just think that she should just be champion forever because she's just better than everyone else. <laughs> what do we think the finish at Mania is going to be? Is she going to lose the belt without getting pinned? I'd have this be the, the uh, Sasha heel turn and have her win. By pinning Bailey, like stealing a pin on Bailey or something like that. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be good. Yeah. What do you think, Justin? Um. Yeah. It's they're gonna at the very least keep the Charlotte pay per view loss until WrestleMania. And actually, on Monday on Top Rope Nation's Twitter account, I posted a a poll that said, "Who is the more inevitable victor, uh, Bill Goldberg or Charlotte?" And Charlotte actually won that poll. <laughs> We're going to get into those at TR Nation podcast, by the way, uh, polls here in a second, because something we talked about last week, we did a poll on, too. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> That's, it's coming. We're building. We're building towards this one. All right. Before we get there. All right. Here we go. Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman. Um, yeah. I Like I said earlier in the, in the show, a little concern about what could happen here, but uh, I, I would imagine reigns goes over here uh let's let's start out with uh jack on this one i was just on five dimes and he's a huge underdog i got let me double check really uh, by the yeah, way love, plus, the, love you dropping the five dimes reference here there Let's you go he, about that he's, he's plus a thousand he knows how to pop kyle <laughs> yeah <laughs> those um, odds shift at the last minute though sometimes too they do but not that much as a degenerate gambler on WWE, that that's that was a, the exception, the Goldberg thing, when at Survivor Series when he went from plus two thousand to minus two thousand in five minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, I mean, I think this is a, has no a non finish written all over it. Someone's going to get involved because these aren't really neither one of these guys can afford to be pinned. It's kind of like WWE books themselves into this corner. It's just like. Well, this is a match that's somewhat compelling, but in terms of like the economy of WWE, this isn't a good idea because both of these guys need to keep winning. Um, on BetWrestling.com, they've got Reigns at negative 185 with The Undertaker having negative 200 odds to show up at ringside, or minus 200, I should say. So, I yeah, this like you said, this is, uh, as far as a predictable show goes, you would imagine that Taker's coming out here. Yeah, because you have to set that Mania matchup somehow. I don't... I guess they could have Taker cost him the match, but I think they're going to rehab Strowman by having him win the Battle Royal at WrestleMania anyway. I I actually think Braun can lose here and be fine. I mean, they've been doing the undefeated streak since the brand split in July. He can lose. He can, he can lose. I mean, it's not like they just started this three weeks ago. I mean, that would be a different thing, but they've been rolling with this for a while. And that's what he, undefeated heels, you know, when you do an undefeated streak, 
gimmick like this with a heel what they do. They lose to the top babyface eventually. And, you know, you can bitch about Roman Reigns being the top babyface on this brand, but he is. All right, go ahead. I, I see the wheels turning there for Justin. So what do you got? Well, God, I just really want Braun to win. They've done, I, I'm not normally a big man fan, but I'm all on board with Braun Strowman and really want to see this continue. Uh, what I think is going to be really telling about this match is either this or the main event is going to have some sort of schmaz ending. And so if this one doesn't, I think we're going to get that in the main event. But having said that, I think it's going to happen in this match. And I, I, I don't want to see either of these guys lose their momentum. I, well, <laughs> Roman Reigns, kind of whatever. But um, he, but he still needs to look strong going into his supposed match with Undertaker. So, is there anyone else? Is there any way WWE gets off of Taker Reigns at WrestleMania, or is that set in stone? That seems set in stone. I don't know what else you would do with either of them at this point. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's set in stone. I think because they they did keep their interaction at at Mania relatively, or at the Rumble relatively subtle. I mean, there was some like homoeroticism, but outside of that, it's just like they can make it just disappear. It wasn't like, oh, remember that time Undertaker and Reigns really went at it. You're right, and it hasn't been brought up on TV. I mean, we can talk about this when we get to the next match. I, I, I firmly believe that the main match, and I think I said this on our year-end show, Ryan, the main match on Raw needs to be Goldberg and Roman Reigns for WrestleMania. <laughs> for the title. That should be your title match. I would take that over with the direction they're going right now. Yeah, because, you know, it, it's funny. With both of these two matches, actually these top two matches, I actually don't think I'm going to be upset either way, no matter what happens in either of them. Well, they, they, I can't say the same thing. created a situation <laughs> where, you know, they've done a hell of a job with these top two matches, I think, and I, I don't think... I don't want to say no matter... You know, they can't go wrong, because trust me, they can find a way to go wrong, but... um you know, I think if they stick to logic, I, I think these can be okay. Now, you know, kind of like what Justin just said, I, I kind of wish they were going in a different direction for Mania, but they're not. That seems like you maybe made an about face on what we talked about last week. Then no, no, I, I think I'm defending the decision to put Goldberg over here at Fastlane, but um, I actually don't like where they're going with it. Because my issue is I don't want Brock Lesnar to win the Raw title at WrestleMania. I think that's an atrocious idea. I think it's absolutely hideous. If, and there's now, no Goldberg, reason for Goldberg to win it. If Goldberg beats Lesnar at WrestleMania, that's fantastic. Oh, God. Oh, my. No. No, 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 no. I, I'm sorry. Right. I, I think, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I think, I, I'm sorry. I think this whole story of Brock Lesnar getting over the Goldberg hump is atrocious. I think that's just a bad bland story that no one gives a damn about. And speaking of bland, Brock Lesnar's last 18 months, anybody? What's what's crazy is that Lesnar's not really a sympathetic character, and they haven't really drummed that up. It's just like him searching something deep within himself to finally beat Goldberg. You know? Yeah, I don't really care. It's like it's like, dude, you got your ass handed to you. I don't really want to see that again. Like I'm I, like as a viewer of the storyline. By a no. fifty-year-old man. Okay. <laughs> now Brock Lesnar was a lead story on Sports Center in the last twelve months. Yeah, as a disgraced MMA fighter. That's another. <laughs> oh, also for winning uh, at UFC as well. Yeah, but but what's the storyline out of that? He can't 
fight again because no, I'm just I'm just saying that in the last 12, 18 months, he has been though, a big deal. Look, I'm not denying Brock Lesnar what a big deal he is in MMA. I'll make the argument though all day long. He's a much bigger deal in MMA actually than pro wrestling. I I don't see where he's moved the needle in the last 18 months for the WWE. What I what is strange is that this whole Goldberg Lesnar thing, it's almost as like someone no one checked it. As someone was like, "All right, we're going to do Goldberg versus Lesnar, two icons," and no one was like, "Hey, that might not work." And yeah. now they're married to it. And I, just because like they didn't really entertain logic, they just were kind of dogmatic about it. It's like, "What do you mean this is going to be great? They're two big, strong guys who are who demolish people." And this it is- worked at Survivor Series, I think. The, the outside the box approach they did and how they just had Goldberg beat him really quick. In yeah. retrospect, I kind of liked that. It was just totally, you know, that was a good surprise in my now. But in doing that, they had to realize, okay, we're decreasing uh, Lesnar as an important character because he just got squashed. Right. Like, hard to come back from that if, if you're just like viewing it through a kayfabe lens. And that's why to me, I would rather see Goldberg work Reigns at WrestleMania than Lesnar, but that's not going to be what happens. Well, this, this kind of gets back to what we talked about on the show last week. And the whole I, the whole problem is that this match does not need the universal title at all. There's no reason to have this be the title match. If they were going to do Brock Goldberg the whole time, that match can stand on its own. Um, it hurts Kevin Owens to not have the universal title going into Mania. Nobody cares about the U.S. title that he's going to feed with Chris Jericho over. And uh, last week, we had we had this disagreement on the show, us three. We went back and forth on it, on what's the hotter angle, Owens and Jericho or Brock and Goldberg. And so Justin and I put this to a poll on our Twitter account. I don't think that's what we disagreed about. Oh, I'm going to insert the audio clip right now because you use that. You did use the term. You said it was it was a hotter angle right now. Are you sure oh, about that? Oh, yeah. I said Justin, Justin can back me up on this. I said Goldberg wasn't. <laughs> you did. You said you said. I think it's, yeah. You know, I think in terms of mainstream, it is. I'll stand by it. <laughs> well, we did a poll on at TR Nation podcast. We had 116 votes. 84% said Owens Jericho is the uh, better match for the Universal Title at WrestleMania. 84%. You know what? Donald Trump's the president. I don't have. I don't really get it. <laughs> Donald, Donald Trump lost right. the popular vote, though. Well, guess what? <laughs> guess where he calls home? 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Vladimir Putin. We're by the way only. Three well, we're talking people. about a popular vote here. We're by the way only three good people have ever called that an address. Did you know that, Ryan? You know, I wasn't going to say this at all, but I can't help it. There you go again. <laughs> that is false. <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh, I think. I think I'm still sticking by it, and I don't know if Kyle's changed his opinion, but I think Kevin Owens retaining the title in some fashion is the correct decision. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it's the okay. correct decision. So, Jack, what are your thoughts? Let's get a fresh voice on this one. I don't know, man. I, I don't think either one is a good decision. I know I've, I've like just kind of ridden the fence in this whole card. But, I, I mean, the Owens-Jericho story is without a doubt better. But just like, do I want to really see Chris Jericho in a title match in WrestleMania in 2017? I don't. I really don't. Because he's got to get his revenge. 
Yeah, and that's there. And I, I don't want to see Bill Goldberg in a title match in, in, in oh, WWE wait. in 2017 either. So I think the more interesting thing is for Kevin Owens to win. But I don't know if that inherently makes it right. I, it's, I don't know, man. I, I think that they they get caught up and they're like, we need to have blockbuster matches at WrestleMania. And it's like, we need blockbuster names. But what you really need is blockbuster stories. And Kevin Owens' Jericho is more of the blockbuster story. So I guess that does make it the more compelling thing for to have Kevin Owens win, but he's not going to. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. You, well, you said you don't want to see Chris Jericho in a title match. I don't want to see Bill Goldberg in a title match in twenty. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like they, they, I don't they, know about that. I disagree with that. Chris Jericho has been one of the highlights on Raw for months and months and months. Yeah, he's but, been one of the top performers on the show. Like, <laughs> I think that Owens and Jericho shouldn't be i don't know to me i i just i i can see where they're coming from where they didn't want they they would choose goldberg lesnar as the title match over owens and jericho i can see where they're coming this this reeks of uh making psycho sid and the undertaker the title match at wrestlemania 13 over now here we go here we go this is this kind of we want the monsters to have the title that's the rationale in 1997 although going to the undertaker that time was the right call no, Bret Hart and Steve Austin should have main evented that show. No doubt about it. Yeah, I don't know about yeah. not with the way it ended. No, no, I disagree with you. Yeah, I, I, I actually think the act- their greatest match in WrestleMania history should not have headlined the show. That's hindsight, though. Like, yeah, that, you, that is that's basically hindsight. ending the show with the uh, heel. I don't. Know. Yeah, no, I can't. I don't see that as a main event. If you don't like it, tough shit. It, it's so funny. It was because the hottest were, angle in 1997. There, there were so many. That angle. It's funny because they weren't originally even planning that match to happen at the show. Um, Brett was supposed to work Sean. Yeah. Until Sean lost his smile and then found it immediately after and started doing backflips when he said his knee could never. Move. Yeah. But um, <laughs> that's whatever. Uh, it's so funny because there were so many mistakes made going into that WrestleMania 13 show. But I think you actually like need to leave the accidental brilliance of it alone. It's so interesting by contrast where they were like so confused and they were trying to do things and none of them worked. And then something organically out of their hands worked. There's an accidental brilliance to that show that it's like, yeah, logically, it's like, okay, they had been building Brett Sean, so that should have been the main event, quote unquote. But really, Sean losing his smile was the best thing that ever happened to the company. But uh, Austin and Brett had a several month long storyline yeah, to go into that. They had cooled it off, if you remember. Like the, they they were not supposed to work against each well, other. Well, I, I know they weren't supposed to, but when they went that direction and they had the Survivor Series match that they had had in their back pocket, and they had their Royal Rumble interaction, and then they wrestled at that Final Four in your house match. That no doubt, I can't believe we're even having this conversation. That should, <laughs> for sure should have been the main event of WrestleMania 13. No doubt. I don't know. It worked okay. I liked the Undertaker. I actually, believe it or not, I think that era of Undertaker, that run, might have been. It might have been the most. I mean, I, I don't want to throw this out because then you could throw some. But that might have been my favorite period of Undertaker. Actually, his '97 run as champion because he was working, um, even and even after when he worked with Sean, um, because he wasn't doing stupid like Giant Gonzalez Yokozuna hmm. storylines anymore. He was wrestling like main eventers. So we're all in agreement, though, that uh, unfortunately oh, Bill Goldberg's going to walk out Universal Champion. I think. No, we're all in agreement that Goldberg's winning, not the unfortunately part. <laughs> <laughs> three, three, of the, three of the four would rather see Kevin Owens. 
by well, my and- They're going to protect Owens. Do, do you, don't you think? All right. Well, let's say Owens not- did win. Let, let's say- Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. No. Let's say Owens would win. They would obviously have Lesnar interfere, correct? Yes. Don't you think they're going to do the same thing here with Jericho? And by the way, I think this no. could be a goddamn fun match if they work it in a Memphis style. I think Owens should just like watch old Jerry Lawler tapes and just stall the whole time. How will you feel about it if it's another squash? If Goldberg squashes Owens? I think that would actually be a mistake. I, I, don't, th- I don't think they should do... They, they should not replicate the Survivor Series thing. I think they should... Um, I, to me, if I'm booking this match, I have Owens stall the hell out of it. Like I'm saying, work a Memphis-style match for the 80s. Like a Mem- Owens is a smart guy. He knows how to do that. Just have, you know, just have him stall the whole time, and then you allow Jericho to make his big return, kind of like throwing him um, to the wolves, so to speak. That's, to me, how you book this match. A squash would be a tragedy. Because, like, what else are you going to give Gil Bol- or Gil- <laughs> Gilbert? What else are you going to give Goldberg? Are you going to give him, like, stock options, too? It's like he gets to beat Lesnar, then he gets to pummel Kevin Owens. It's like, no, well, you are not that committed to this guy. He's going to be gone in a month. Well, he may, be, he may last till SummerSlam, but no, please just give us a decent match. I, I think a squash match would just be unfortunate. And if Goldberg is losing next month, which I think we all think he is, you, you can't beat him now. I, 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 that's what I was adamant about last week, and I'm still adamant about it now. You, you, you want to save the Goldberg loss um, for the WrestleMania. That's it why you do a, a DQ finish, though. Finish. Yeah, just a big schmoz. That's what we talked about last week. Jericho comes out. Brock comes out. It's just a big a mess. podcast with uh, Eric Bischoff here or something like that. <laughs> no, you can do that. They've done that many times. Hey, isn't the Protects word everyone. isn't the word that this has all been Lesnar's idea all along? That he pitched losing to Goldberg like this. I think maybe be in his big scheme was like, I'll win the title at WrestleMania. I'll get the last laugh. I swear to God, I read that somewhere. I wish I had it sourced. Otherwise, I just sound like a maniac. But that's out there to where... Sounds like fake news to me. Where, where... <laughs> I'll turn into facts. I haven't yeah, heard yeah. that where, one. Where, where... <laughs> Was the website Infowars.com? <laughs> it's out there, I promise. I think we won't know until after WrestleMania, but just know. But are, are we all in agreement that Lesnar po- as the post-Mania champion is silliness? Yep. Yeah. That's why Goldberg okay, should I, win the title. I, I, I disagree. I disagree. Oh my goodness. Well, I don't who else would it be? I, I think I think that there's something so sexy about yes. to, to me and to WWE to having someone like Lesnar because he's the ultimate legitimizer of I just wrestling. don't think he moves the needle. And and he's a disgraced MMA fighter. Which is could be part of his gimmick. I will say I've heard enough Paul Heyman like five to ten minutes just like where where lesnar just stands there and like rubs his yeah. fists together I've, I'm, I'm over that but it's a, that's a boring gimmick to be honest and paul's and, great but he just does the same thing over and over again right and my problem with it is are we going to have a you know with raw versus smackdown are we going to have a champion who's only there you know once a month yeah it, it, and they've done that before, by the way, and it really wasn't great. When Brock Lesnar was the champion, remember they gave him the run. It was the smart move. It was the smart move. I mean, I think we all, if there was a SummerSlam 2000, what year was this, 14? A SummerSlam 2014 
roundtable here in the four of us, we all would have said have Lesnar beat John Cena yeah. that night and have wow. him be a dominant champion. But they did it, and it really wasn't that great because of his schedule. Yeah, I think if he if he if he leaves WrestleMania champion, reboot that Beast Incarnate shit. It's like we get it, but let him look as undefeatable as ever. Then pick your babyface that isn't fucking Roman Reigns, whether it be Seth Rollins or Finn Balor, and let them have this underdog like upset out of nowhere victory at, at SummerSlam, and really give them a shot to kind of transcend and be an icon. And I think the only what the only person who makes that is Brock Lesnar. He's, he has to lose to someone believable, even though this Goldberg shit is kind of an anomaly. Well, we'll see what happens Sunday night. Um, we're going to have the uh, typical post-game show here live on YouTube. That'll be open for all. So you can tune in, see if we're happy, see if we're angry and screaming at our computer screens, what what have you. We will have a, a range of emotions for you Sunday night. What new What's technical that? difficulty we'll invent? The what now? What new technical difficulty we'll have? Yeah, the, yeah the last two weeks we've had some technical difficulty in these live streams, but hopefully it'll go smoothly. Um, and uh, guys, if you like what we're doing, hit us up on Patreon, patreon.com, Top Rope Nation. You can watch these shows with all the technical difficulties and all, all the warts each and every week live on YouTube. Otherwise, if you just listen to us on demand podcast, check us out on iTunes, Stitcher Radio. If you're listening on iTunes, Leave us a five-star rating. Subscribe. That helps out the show a lot. And uh, I just want to go to you guys if you got any closing comments before we sign it off here. Uh, Jack, first of all, any closing words for us? The WrestleMania I want to see match for, for Goldberg. I want to see Goldberg squash the entire cruiserweight division. <laughs> and then they bring out Big Show, Jack Hammerson. They bring out Shaq, the Jack Hammerson. Let him be the sideshow that he actually is. And don't, like... I'll put him in the ring against Kevin Owens and other things like that. Let him just be a freak. That's all. <laughs> Kyle. I, I'm looking forward to Goldberg, Kevin Owens, man. I don't care about you, but you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I think. I, I'm not saying I'm not looking forward to the match. I, I'm just saying. If they, I, if they finish this thing right, because like, I just think it's a different kind of main event and I have no problem with it. Like I said, uh, you know, people were like, oh, it's not going to be like a four star match or something like that. It's like, man, you get a lot of those in WWE. These days, like, I mean, you never, there's never been an era where we get more good matches out of WWE, believe it or not. So I have no problem with them doing something kind of unique um, here. Like I said, rip off Memphis, man. Have Kevin Owens just stall. Have like no, have like no moves for like the first. Yeah. I like your idea about the Memphis style. And uh, that's not my issue with it at all. I, I don't have any problems really with the match. It's just the direction of the match. But I am looking forward to the match itself to see what, what way they go. Uh, Justin, closing comments. All I got to say is Top Rope Nation, the only place you're going to hear love for Memphis wrestling, history of FDR's internment camps, and criticism of Joe Samoa's shorts. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You never know where you're going to get here on the show, guys. Thanks for tuning in here live on YouTube. Enjoy WWE Fastlane. We'll catch you guys Sunday night. Thanks.